The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Main Street Vegan with host Victoria Moran. Victoria is an author, inspirational speaker, and a certified holistic health counselor and vegan lifestyle coach. She's here to entertain, educate, and inspire you on your journey to look and feel amazing, eat extraordinary food, help animals, and create a physical body perfectly attuned to spiritual growth. Now, let's get this party started. Here is your host, Victoria Moran. Hey, everybody. How are you doing on this lovely February of 2013? We have a wonderful guest who's going to be coming up after the first break, and that is Ryan Andrews, M-S-M-A-R-D-C-S-C-S. He has more letters than the alphabet. He's also a really, really great guy. Oprah gave him a car, and he gave it away. So we will be talking with Ryan about food and and bodybuilding and exercise and all sorts of great things and about what causes somebody to give back an Oprah car. But right now, when it's just you and me, I want to tell you what I did this morning. And for anybody who just happened on and doesn't have any idea who you're listening to or why, I am Victoria Moran, and this is Main Street Vegan right here on Unity Online Radio. I am the author of Main Street Vegan. That's a book that Veg News Magazine calls the Vegan Bible New Testament. I'm very, very proud to receive that accolade. I wrote the book with my lovely daughter and lifelong vegan, Adair Moran. I'm also a vegan lifestyle counselor and a holistic health counselor with a private practice in New York City and by phone and Skype all over the place. And I direct Main Street Vegan Academy if you would like to train as a vegan lifestyle coach. And all that information is on my website, MainStreetVegan.net. You can also follow me on Twitter, lovely, short, fun Twitter, where I am Victoria underscore Moran. Now, let me tell you what I did this morning. Oh, my gosh. This was the most incredible experience. I went to the first all-vegan fashion show ever to happen in the history of New York City Fashion Week. Now, I've got to tell you, I like clothes. I like fashion. I went to fashion school right out of high school. I graduated high school in Kansas City, Missouri, saved up my money for nine months, and on my 18th birthday, moved to London to study fashion. And I was so into it that I had my calendar marked for whenever British, French, Italian, and American Vogue hit the newsstands. 
this was really a great big deal in my life. And you know, whenever something is a big deal early on, it kind of remains a deal throughout your life. My first couple of jobs were in fashion and, and fashion writing, and I still just think it's tons of fun. But of all the industries out there, maybe second only to the meat industry itself, the one that has so dug in its heels to say no, 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 no to any of this vegan stuff is the fashion industry because there is so much connection to fur and leather and down and wool and silk. How could you have a fashion industry without all these fabrics, which when you really start to look into how the creatures are treated to get them, is not very beautiful after all. Well, there are wonderful, wonderful vegan designers these days. We all know about Stella McCartney, Paul McCartney's daughter, and Leanne Maylie Hilgard. And today was Leanne's show. Her company is Vote Couture. That's like Haute Couture, but with a V instead of an H. V-A-U-T-E-C-O-U-T-U-R-E dot com. She started out as a coat company because when she looked around the world to see, well, where's a, some a need that I can fill, she saw that there were no beautiful dress coats for women and men that didn't contain wool or, or some of these other products. So she has devised an entire line that is eco-friendly, made in America by people who are well-paid and happy. I've been to her factory in the New York City Garment District, and that is the absolute truth, and also stunningly, gloriously fashion-forward. And today was the premiere of her full line, not just coats and jackets, but also dresses, pants, tops. Oh my gosh, it was so fabulous. So I am going to do my best to be technologically savvy enough to get the pictures off my phone and onto the blog on MainStreetVegan.net. So I promise that's what I'll do right after the show. And you can go there to look at some of the pictures, although I'm sure if you just, just Google, you can find far better pictures than mine because there were real paparazzi there with all kinds of fabulous flash bulbs and other fashiony things going on. The the show, of course, featured the clothes of Vogue Couture, but also shoes by Brave Gentleman. If you all know Joshua Catcher, Brave Gentleman is his clothing line, his, his men's haberdashery line. He also has a wonderful site and blog, The Discerning Brute, about men's fashion. He's a, a professor of uh, sustainable fashion at Laboratory Institute of Merchandising. He's also on the adjunct faculty of Main Street Vegan Academy, and we'll be doing a, a class about clothing and, and vegan fashion when uh, Main Street Vegan Academy meets again in later in February. The shoes, the women's shoes, were from Love is Mighty, which is another company to check out. These shoes are all vegan, and they're also made from materials woven by women in the third world. So we're doing good for people, good for animals, all vegan makeup from the DeVita makeup uh, team, all vegan hair <laughs> from Salon Shampoo. I mean, it was just the most beautiful, beautiful experience. And not only were the clothes just breathtaking, but the models were accompanied by dogs from the Humane Society shelter here in New York City. This is part of the Humane Society of the United States. It's a no-kill shelter. And these lovely little dogs came and were, were there with the models. And they had such wonderful personalities. Some of them really liked to pose and others were just kind of, hmm, I'm here, I'm taking all this in. But what I really loved about Leanne's clothing was that it was so breathtaking that even being in competition with all those cute dogs didn't distract from the clothing. You know how they always say in showbiz, you never want to follow the kids or the animals. So as you can tell, I am just over the moon because when I went to fashion school in London way back when, the very idea that there would be a vegan presence in this industry was not anything that I think anybody could have really foreseen. And the fact that today I saw it and I was there and I've got a goodie bag to prove it is just really pretty magical. 
You know what else is magical? Getting really, really healthy. Not just not sick, but the kind of healthy that makes you feel like you could jump tall buildings in a single bound. And we're going to come back after these messages with Ryan Andrews, who can help us all feel just that good. Stay with us for more Main Street Vegan on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. You're listening to Unity Online Radio. This programming is made possible through the generous love offerings of listeners like you. If you feel spiritually fed by this programming, we invite you to contribute. Go to www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. What if you could experience vibrant health, help heal the planet? and be a great friend to God's animal kingdom through simple choices you make at breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Authors Victoria and Adair Moran say you can do this easily, affordably, and deliciously in their new book, Main Street Vegan. Everything you need to know to eat healthfully and live compassionately in a real world. Loaded with practical tips, straightforward information, and fabulous recipes, Main Street Vegan will help you on your journey toward a plant-based diet. The perks include more energy, an easy way to keep your weight where you want it, feeling younger as you grow older, and maybe even a boost to your spiritual life. Purchase Main Street Vegan from BN.com, Amazon.com, or your favorite bookseller. listening to Main Street Vegan with Victoria Moran. If you have questions or comments about today's topic or any other area of interest, we invite you to follow Victoria underscore Moran on Twitter or email her at MainStreetVegan at UnityOnlineRadio.org. Now, back to Main Street Vegan. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Main Street Vegan here on Unity Online Radio. I am Victoria Moran, and you can find me at MainStreetVegan.net. Happy to have you all visit. And I'm also very, very happy to introduce to you our guest today, who is Ryan Andrews. He's a registered dietitian, a strength and conditioning specialist, a registered yoga teacher. He completed his education in exercise and nutrition at the University of Northern Colorado at Kent State and at Johns Hopkins. He's written hundreds of articles on nutrition, exercise, and health, and he has authored one of my tip-top favorite books on the planet, and it is called Drop the Fat Act and Live Lean. If you have any trouble with your weight, if you have any trouble with eating food that you wish after you ate it you hadn't eaten, read Drop the Fat Act and Live Lean. Now, those of you who know me know that I have some history in this. I've written some books on that subject myself. I'm maintaining a weight loss of over 60 pounds for nearly 30 years. I know this is possible to do, and yet I see people struggle and struggle and struggle. And when I look at every book out there that I didn't write... I think these these people just don't get it. They may have all these degrees, but they don't understand what goes on in the mind and experience of somebody who has this problem. Ryan Andrews gets it. He may be the only civilian on the planet who gets it. So if you've got any, any eating or, or weight issues, by all means, treat yourself to drop the fat act and live lean. I was telling Ryan just before he came on the air that I have all of my vegan books and my health books in a special library so that when I do Main Street Vegan Academy, the students can can check them out. And I went to get drop the fat act and, and live lean before the show. It is not there. And I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, somebody absconded with it. But I remember hearing that libraries say that the book that is stolen the most is the Bible, and the book that is stolen the second most is the Alcoholics Anonymous Big Book. So, Ryan, if you have written a book that is being stolen a lot, you're in very good company. 
And I am just thrilled to welcome Ryan Andrews, who is a coach with Precision Nutrition, offering life-changing, research-driven nutrition coaching for everyone. Welcome to Main Street Vegan. Thank you very much, Victoria. I'm really excited to be on. You've had a really big influence on my life, so uh, it's nice to get to chat with you today. And I feel really good about my my book right now since you put it in that category. Thank you. Oh, it, it, it's superb. And, you know, you are a terrific guy. We have this mutual admiration society going on. I know you've taken a lot of my teleclasses, and every time I would see that you'd signed up for them, it's like, but he already knows everything. <laughs> Why is he doing this? <laughs> but the sign, I think, of somebody who's a real superb human being is somebody who can say, yeah, I know a lot and maybe I can pick up another point or two. And and you're just like that. So before we get into all that you know about nutrition and exercise, and if you have questions for Ryan Andrews, uh, please give us a call 888-558-6489. That's our toll-free number 888-558-6489. But before we get into your areas of expertise, you went to Chicago with your mom, and you went to the Oprah show, and she was giving stuff away. Your mom got a car. You got a car, but then you gave your car away. That is a very not American thing to do. Tell us all about it. All right. Yeah, I'll start at the beginning. So a few years ago when the Gulf Coast oil spill happened. I'm sure everybody remembers that. I was I was pretty bummed out about it, and it was 24-7 news coverage. I was frustrated. Everybody was blaming the oil companies. Why are they drilling in the Gulf Coast? They're ruining the planet. They're ruining the environment. And, you know, while everybody was blaming the oil companies, I kept kind of looking to myself, and I thought, you know, I drive a lot. I, I require a lot of things in my life that rely on oil. So I'm part of the problem. So instead of me sending hate mail to BP, what can I do to reduce my dependency on oil? So for about a week, I really debated the idea of just selling my car and relying on mass transit and biking and walking. And I was kind of ambivalent for about a week. And I thought, you know, if I keep debating this, I'm never going to do it. So just one day I, I took my car down and sold it. And I I took all the money from the car sales and donated it to the Gulf Coast cleanup efforts and, uh, yeah, moved forward from there. Apparently, my mom thought that was a a pretty amazing thing to do because she wrote a letter into the Oprah show, and she received a reply from them several months later, and she called me out of the blue one day and said, hey, Ryan, the Oprah show invited us to be on the show. And I thought, oh, okay, Uh, let's do it. This is a -a once-in-a-lifetime thing. And they kind of gave us some bait, though. They said, we're doing a show on inspirational people, and we want, we want you to be a part of the show. We're going to have a bunch of different people that are really inspirational. We're going to ask them questions. And so we said, this is great. We're going to be on the Oprah show. So we flew out, but instead it was her favorite things giveaway show, which is apparently an annual thing she does. I'm not too familiar with her show, but uh, that's what it was. So she gave out a bunch of gifts that day, and one of the gifts was the uh, – the 2012 VW Beetle. So uh, my mom and I both received one. And like you just said, when I got back uh, and after I received the car, my sister's family kind of, she has two kids and, and she works and she kind of needs to get around and her car was not working so well. So I decided to give my VW Beetle to her family and they are still enjoying it to this day. That is such a great story. Now, just so that nobody thinks that Ryan is living here in Manhattan or something where it's easier not to have a car, you're in Colorado where people have cars. You may be the only person <laughs> yeah, mo- you know who doesn't have a car. Yeah, it is. Uh, most people have cars here. It, it's kind of a big deal not to have a car, and I realized that the next few days after, uh, after I sold my car. So getting around is a little bit of a challenge, but that's all right. Things in life that, that are challenging tend to be worth it, so it's okay. Plus, you're an athlete, so you can walk a lot. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> it, it's really exciting. Well, I didn't know this story. I mean, and I've, I've known you for a few years, but it was when I went to speak in Denver last summer and your mother picked me up at the airport in the cutest car. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. Oprah does not give away middle-of-the-road kind of cars. I mean, this car was beautiful and red and shiny, and I'm not a car person. I don't pay attention to cars, but that car I paid attention to. And when I told her how much I liked it, she said, you don't know? 
<laughs> the story. Yeah. So now we all know it, and thank you for sharing that. That just gives you a sense of, of the personality of Ryan Andrews. I was at, at dinner with Ryan and with another really, really fine human being, John Pierre, who is uh, Ellen DeGeneres's personal trainer, but he would say that probably his, his best thing in life is that he's a vegan and that he cares about people and animals and, and the world. And just being in the presence of two people who have less ego than most one person's, it was really cool. It was sort of like I was out with the Buddha and the Dalai Lama. That was fun. <laughs> so, Ryan, well, let's, yeah. let's, before I can see that you're blushing and I can't even see you because we're on the phone. So let's just get into your area of ownership. I know that what you're excited about, your expertise, what you're excited about is ownership of health. What do you mean by that? Yeah, I, you know, no matter what, when most people struggle with their eating, it comes down to something. They are busy, they don't have enough knowledge, they can't afford it, and it's, it's some other thing that's getting in the way of them eating better. And I think one of the most powerful things we can do is really take ownership. And instead of blaming something else or somebody else for what's going wrong with our eating, say, you know what, the final decision really comes down to me and what I'm willing to do. And when we can really own that, I think we are very empowered and we're able to make more positive, positive decisions. So what, what is the problem? Why are so many Americans carrying weight that they wish they weren't? Yeah, when, when we live a certain way, we look a certain way. And most people in America are living a life that makes them carry extra body fat. So if, if anybody wants to get an idea of what to do wrong, just observe your typical American. And I talk about this a lot in my book. Each chapter is simply a behavior that we're doing wrong. And this is everything from people, I'm sure you see this too, they'll skip breakfast, they don't eat throughout the day, and then they just overeat later in the day. They, when they do eat, they eat really fast. So they don't allow their body to kind of sense that they're getting food. Um, they go on diets and they get really rigid with counting calories and that just backfires and they end up overeating and they feel guilty about overeating and they restrict and then they overeat again and it's just that never-ending dieting cycle. We eat way too many processed foods and way too many animal foods. That makes up almost 90% of our plates when we sit down to eat in this country, which is a disaster. And we drink a lot of our calories. A lot of people still are drinking a ton of soda, a ton of juice, those don't have an appetite regulation mechanism. We just drink those calories and then we end up eating the same amount of calories as well. Um, people eat a lot of fast food. Um, fast food on a lot of levels can cause problems. Everybody knows it's, it's not breaking news that it's not very nutritious, but a lot of the fast food companies just, they don't represent very positive things in the world as well. Um, and then one of my favorites too is that um, sleep. A lot of people aren't sleeping well, and, and sleep has negative repercussions if we're not getting it on our exercise and our food choices. So it's pretty powerful stuff. Those are some of the things I observe people to do in this country. So what's your story? I take it you come from an athletic background. You never personally dealt with being heavy? I've No, I've never... Well, let me back up before I say that. I, I started off at age 14, and I got into weightlifting. I took a weightlifting class in high school, and I was hooked. And I learned about Arnold, and it was great. Life was good. I started to build muscle. And I started to realize that when I changed what I ate, I changed how I look and how I felt. So I kind of got um, a little bit infatuated with that. I took up competitive bodybuilding. Through my competitive bodybuilding, I did go on certain uh, mass-building diets. It was never a situation of kind of feeling out of control with my weight, but I would eat a lot to put on a lot of size. My peak weight was about 255. And to give listeners an idea, right now I weigh about 165. So that was 90 pounds ago. <laughs> so it was a much different body. But uh, yeah, so I never really struggled with out-of-control eating or anything like that. But I'm always kind of doing experiments and seeing how my body responds to food intake. So what about people who are into bodybuilding? I know that we have a lot of vegan bodybuilders, and I've just heard about a vegan boxer. I met a vegan arm wrestler last month. So there are a lot of big guys doing this. So you can sustain that as a vegan. Is that healthy to do your whole life? I mean, why did you decide not to stay that big? Oh, geez. Well, first and foremost, bodybuilding becomes pretty much like a 24-hour-per-day job in terms of 
being really, really strict with your diet and your meals and workouts and sleep, and it's, it's hard to do anything else in life um, with family and friends and relationships and jobs and volunteering and that type of thing. So that was actually one of the things that kind of spurred my what I do with volunteering now. It's, I was way too selfish with bodybuilding, but I don't, I don't think it's healthy. I don't think bodybuilding is healthy long-term. I think it's fine if somebody says, you know, I have the goal of doing a contest. I want to look my best and peak for this competition. I think that's great, and I think it's a nice challenge, kind of like you know, running a marathon or doing a triathlon. But I think when it becomes this lifelong endeavor, I do think it's very hard on the body, both with the training and with the rigidity of the food intake. Well, it's interesting that you say that because it reminds me of how obsessed we can be in the other direction with the dieting to get smaller. I can remember as a teenager being involved in a a drama program and announcing to the teacher that I was going to quit for a few months. And she said, well, why? You know, you're doing so well. And I said, but but I'm, I'm going on a diet. And she didn't understand (laughs) what the two had to do with each other. But in my mind, if I was going to go on a diet and lose weight, that was all I could focus on. The idea of doing anything else extracurricular was just beyond me. So I like how you talk about the selfishness of the whole thing. We can get kind of obsessed with our own form, can't we? Oh, yeah. It becomes everything. And I, I see it all the time. We... Somebody starts a new, a new diet or something with their nutrition, and it's their life. Everything revolves around it. They're pointing out things to everybody else. They become that annoying nutrition person, and, oh, you're going to eat that? What are you doing? And we, they were just eating it like three days ago. But, yeah, it, it becomes pretty selfish and pretty all-encompassing. So it, you, you eat a plant-based diet yourself, and why do you do that? <sighs> Gosh, I... I always love when people ask me that because I think I've been doing it so long and just like you, I, I think sometimes I kind of forget. I just become so habitual. But, you know, I can't find any reasons not to eat a plant-based diet. The more I learn about it and w- whether it's my initial uh, goal behind doing it was uh, for an animal, for animal reasons. So I was taking an ethics and research class in grad school and I wasn't comfortable with the idea of using animals in research. And my lab partner said, well, do you eat meat? And I said, yes. And she said, you're killing animals every day. So that was just my aha moment. And from that day forward, I decided not to eat meat. And then I learned more about food production and dairy and eggs. And they didn't really fit with my values. And I wasn't very comfortable consuming those things either. So I phased them out. And, um, you know, I I started to feel much better physically. And uh, obviously, I, I dedicate my life to the study of nutrition. So it was interesting learning more about vegan eating and plant based eating making sure I was getting the nutrients I need to get. And, um, yeah, then the environmental benefits, there, it, just, it goes on and on. I can't find any reasons not to eat a plant-based diet that, that are convincing. So what is your personal nutritional philosophy? I know even within the world of, of vegans and plant-based dietitians and medical experts, there, there are some little dissensions. So what's a healthy diet to your way of thinking? Yeah, there are definitely a lot of different camps um, with diets, even within the vegan world. So I, I tend to focus a lot on whole foods, vegetables, fruits, beans, nuts, and seeds more than anything else. I would say vegetables, fruits, beans, and nuts make up probably 80% of what I eat, 80 to 90% of what I eat. And then I'll have some grains and things too. I don't have a ton of grains and when I do eat grains, I try to make them pretty simple and whole grains when possible because I think when you start to process grains and manipulate them, they are a little bit easier to overeat and they also become a vehicle for other things like sugars and oils and salts and stuff like that. So for the most part, whole foods, pretty simple, vegetables, fruits, beans, nuts and seeds, a little bit of grains and stuff. I don't worry about carbohydrates because I think carbohydrates only become an issue when you start to eat a bunch of the processed stuff and the sugars, um, when you're eating simple whole food carbohydrates like sweet potatoes and potatoes and brown rice and whole grain bread and stuff like that, I think it's, it's all right. And the appetite cues kind of regulate themselves, and we do all right in that regard. Mm. Now, you, you brought up the whole grain bread. A lot of people have read the best-selling book, Wheat Belly. Now, this author is certainly not from the vegan camp at all. I think he's more of a paleo kind of person. 
But he has a lot of interesting information on wheat and how it's been so hybridized that we're not just not eating the same kind of wheat that people got a thousand years ago. We're not eating the kind of wheat people got 50 years ago. Are you familiar with any of that? A little bit. Um, you know, I like, I read the book Wheat Belly. I enjoyed it. I thought he made some interesting points. Um, I thought some of his claims were a little bit over the top. But yeah, I think a lot of our foods, not just wheat, have changed in terms of how we, how we grow them and how they're farmed. Uh, so I think he might have a, a point with that, yeah. And we know that's true with animal foods, not that I'm recommending eating any kind of animal foods under any circumstances, but when people talk about, you know, oh, my great-grandfather lived to be 92, yeah, but, you know, <laughs> he wasn't getting his processed meats down at the gas station. It's very different. <laughs> Yeah. So how does this translate into actual food? What, what do you eat, eat every day? Yeah, I know. Uh, that's always important. You've got to keep it real and talk about actual food. So I'm a big fan of eating about three meals per day. I, I know that you are for the most part, too. I think the meal frequency thing kind of got out of control over the past 15 years. Um, so I like three meals a day. I usually start off with like a green shake in the morning most of the time. So some sort of green leafy vegetable, whether it's kale or chard or spinach or something like that. And I'll blend it up with either almond milk or like a handful of whole almonds. Um, I'll add some sort of a fruit, like a half a frozen banana or some frozen berries or something. I do like to add some protein powder. I'm a big fan of getting enough protein in the diet. So I'll do like pea protein or hemp or rice protein, something like that. And um, maybe throw some coconut flakes on the top or some granola or something like that. But that works excellent for breakfast. If I'm traveling or I'm out of town, I usually do oatmeal. That's a pretty safe bet for me. It's satisfying and simple and tastes good. Um, For lunch, I often will have a slice of toast with like a nut butter and some sort of vegetable. It might maybe a big salad in the summer or more cooked vegetables in the winter. And then I'll also try to mix in some beans with those veggies Lentils are great because they cook fast. You don't have to soak them ahead of time. Uh, But I also like all the other beans, black beans, pinto beans, um, lima beans, it doesn't matter, any type of bean, because you've got to get that protein. And I like having the nut butter in there because you get to use more protein and the fat. So I think that really helps with satiety as well. Dinner kind of changes. That's when I'll try out a new recipe or maybe go out to eat or something like that. But it might be anything from bean burritos to a tofu stir-fry to a pizza, something like that. But yeah, for the most part, if I get hungry between meals, if like really hungry, I'll have a piece of fruit or something like that. And I'm so glad you shared this with us because sometimes I think when people hear, yes, I eat all whole foods, they, they think that you're living on shredded wheatgrass, you know, or I, I always think of this old Woody Allen movie where he went to a health food restaurant out in Los Angeles back in the days when we thought that was the only place where they had them. And he looked at the menu and looks up with this disgusted expression on his face and says, I'll have the mashed yeast. And I think that's still the idea that some people have. So to hear you say things like pizza and bean burrito, that's very cool. Now, you talked about getting enough protein, and a lot of of our guests have talked about, don't worry about it. We are obsessed with protein in this country. Get over it. And do you see that a little bit differently? (laughs) Um, Probably a little bit differently. When somebody is eating 100% plant-based, so a vegan diet, uh, I often see people eat a lot of grains. And the percentage of protein in grain foods it tends to be a little bit on the lower end compared to things like beans and nuts and seeds and obviously like meats and eggs and stuff like that. So if somebody's building their diet around a bunch of grains, to me the pro- their protein intake tends to be a little bit low. So an easy way to get enough protein when you're eating plant-based or uh, mostly plant-based, 100% plant-based, it doesn't matter, is at least one cup of cooked beans each day. And that can be any bean, like I said before, lentil, black bean, it doesn't matter. Um, those will give you a ton of those essential amino acids we need. And then if you're also meeting your energy needs with all those other foods, like the vegetables and fruits and nuts and grains and stuff like that, you'll be set. If somebody is really stressing about it, which a lot of people do, they can add a scoop of protein powder and they'll be, they'll be fine because the scoop of that's going to give you 25 grams of uh, quality protein. Great. Then real quick before we go to break, what do you think about coconut oil? 
What do I think about coconut oil? Um, I think it's fine. I think it's fine to cook with. If somebody's looking for a fat to do some high heat cooking, like a, a stir fry or roasting or something like that, I wouldn't go out of my way to add it in uh, if you're not using it in cooking or something. I think I'm not a big fan of oils unless it's part of a recipe. I mean, some people will add oils to smoothies or add oils just by the tablespoon right, right into their mouth um, because they think it's really healthy. I don't really agree with that. I like getting fats from whole food sources. So if somebody wanted to add more fat from coconut, I'd say eat coconut flakes um, or, you know, instead of olive oil, have more olives. Instead of avocado oil, have more avocados, stuff like that. Makes sense. Food the way God made it. Amen. But we have another segment after these messages. I'm talking today with Ryan Andrew. He's a dietitian. He's a fitness expert. You can find out more about him at precisionnutrition.com. And that's Ryan Andrews with an S. I must have been thinking about British royalty when I left the S off. So you can check out Ryan uh, during the break and then be back for more Main Street Vegan right here on Unity Online Radio. Hi, my name is Lynn Twist. I'm the author of The Soul of Money. If you're struggling right now with a financial crisis, I recommend going to www.unityfm and listening to our course about the soul of money and how to handle this in a way that brings out the deep spirituality that's available at this time. You know, a crisis is a terrible thing to waste. Join author Lynn Twist for the blessing of the financial crisis. You'll learn new techniques to use the current economic situation to redefine your relationship with money. It's available now for immediate download at unity.fm in the video download section. Winfrey says that Eric Butterworth's book, Discover the Power Within You, changed her perspective on life and religion. Maya Angelou quotes Emily Cady's Lessons in Truth as she recalls her own spiritual awakening. What do these books have in common? They are Unity Classics. Join Rev. Laura Beth Gilbreth, Minister of Unity Transformation, Thursdays at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, for Hooked on Classics, exploring Unity's classic books. Each month, you'll be able to follow along and contribute your thoughts, questions, and ideas as we examine a different classic Unity book. From Charles and Myrtle Fillmore to Eric Butterworth, Emily Cady, and beyond, experience the foundational teachings of Unity. Hooked on Classics, exploring Unity's classic books. Thursdays on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for tuning in for Main Street Vegan. Here is your host, Victoria Moran. Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in today to Main Street Vegan. I'm your host, Victoria Moran, and my guest today is Ryan Andrews. He's a registered dietitian, a strength and conditioning specialist, a registered yoga teacher, and an all-round great guy. We were talking during the break about the coconut oil that we touched on at the end of the last segment. I was telling Ryan that I'd actually done an experiment on myself because a lot of people have written that coconut oil has all these magical properties even though it's a saturated fat, the claim is that it metabolizes differently because it's a medium chain fatty acid and people are told to just eat it by the tablespoonful if, if they want to lose weight and do other things. And I didn't want to lose weight. I just wanted to see if this miraculous thing would do something miraculous. So right after going to the doctor and getting checked out, and of course, everything was wonderful, for six months, I ate coconut oil every day. And then I went back to the doctor and my perfect, low, wonderful vegan cholesterol had shot up to 200. I, I mean, I couldn't believe it. It was, it was just like, no, this is not possible. So I went home and for the next six months, didn't eat coconut oil. And everything else stayed the same. And then I went back to the doctor and my cholesterol was back to 153. So sometimes I think with 
things that we read in the popular press and some of the like alternative things that are out there, you know, you have to sometimes take a close look at these things and maybe try them out on yourself. Do you agree? Yeah, I'm a really, really big fan of self-experimentation with nutrition. I think, I mean, our genetics, we hear about that a lot. Our genetics make all of us different, unique, and that's really true. I mean, somebody might do really well with a certain food and somebody might not do as well. So, yeah, some of that self-experimentation can be useful. Mm. Well, we have a caller, Stephanie. Hey, Stephanie. Stephanie? Hello. Hey, how are you? This is Victoria. Yes, hi. Welcome to the show. Do you have a question for Ryan? Okay. No, actually, I was just listening by chance and uh, was wondering what happened to the dog with the heart wound. Oh, bless you. Thanks for asking. Well, that's my dog, Forbes, and he's doing just beautifully. At this point, we're doing the slow kill for the heartworms, and we're not, unless something changes, and we're working with a couple of wonderful veterinarians on this, we're not going to do the arsenic thing. It just seems too too intrusive and, and, and too dangerous but he's just thriving, and he's now on a vegan diet as well, and he's just precious. So thank you for asking, and thank you for caring. Take care, Stephanie. We appreciate it. Yeah, I was just wondering, because we talked before, and he was, yeah, he was not doing so well. No, well, you know, it's a wonderful thing that the body tends to heal, whether we're dogs or people, and that's how it is with Forbes. He seems to be doing just colossally better. So thank you so very much. I appreciate that. Somebody gave me a, a website today, if anybody else is interested in this um, okay. issue. This is not specifically about heartworms and dogs, but it's about heart health overall. It's called Canine hearthealth.com so if you've got a a puppy dog out there who's having some problems with his ticker you might want to check out canine heart health so thanks again for the call stephanie so ryan a lot of of my graduates from main street vegan academy and people that i know who do buy um who do health coaching and various things are running into a lot of people who see diet very differently than the way our plant-based experts see it uh, they run into people who want to do the paleo diet with lots of meat, the Western Price people who think soy is very, very bad and that we need to be drinking raw milk. What do you do with all these different voices? Yeah, I I get a lot of questions from clients about this, and I also interact with a lot of different colleagues in the world of nutrition who have a lot of different perspectives. So one of my favorite things to do is try to look for similarities rather than the differences between all these different eating approaches. And I actually just wrote an article for a a magazine. It's a CrossFit magazine. CrossFit is this gym that's really big into paleo dieting or paleo eating. And the article was about how even if you're eating a vegan diet, you can kind of do a paleo-ish, vegan-ish diet. And the editors are like, gosh, you know, how can this be possible? Vegan and paleo are opposite ends of the spectrum. And I thought, you know, Not really, because when you look at the typical plate of a paleo eater, what they should be eating, in theory, is a lot of vegetables, a lot of fruits, nuts, seeds, and then non-grain starches, so like sweet potatoes and plantains and stuff like that. That's all, those are all vegan foods, right? So the only difference is going to be the small chunk of the plate where a lot of paleo eaters eat like meat and eggs and fish. So the only difference would be swapping out the meat, eggs, and fish for beans there, and that's it. So through all these different eating approaches, paleo, Western A. Price, all that type of stuff, there are a lot of similarities when you're just looking at a plate of what somebody actually eats. I mean, vegetables and fruits make up a foundation of most diets. Nuts and seeds are excellent. Not many people have problems with nuts and seeds. When you start getting into grains and beans, people have some, some problems with um, the potential toxins they contain with like phytates and lectins and stuff like that. But yeah, overall, I think there's a lot of similarities between the different eating approaches. That's really interesting. It seems that where the real problem comes in is with the processed foods. And I think that's what Weston Price was writing about. Weston Price, for anybody who's not familiar, was a dentist in the 1930s who traveled to 
what at that time were very out of the way parts of the world and he looked at the health and the dental structure of of people who ate their traditional diets and saw that they were in better shape than most of of the westerners i don't quite know how that became this thing about eating tons and tons of meat yeah i think uh, it's just some sort of a justification for that but yeah i agree with you on the on the processed food side of things so many people will get they start to get so down on things like beans. Oh, beans have you know, lectins. You can't eat them. They're going to cause all these problems. And, you know, the first person to get fat on lentils will be the first. People don't overeat lentils. Mm. So I don't, I don't know. And whole grains as well. Yeah. Well, that's interesting when you bring up lentils. We had Dr. Michael Greger on a couple of months ago, and he talked about the the Daniel fast that was actually looked at by scientific lecturers. They took a, a group of church people and put them on this diet of lentils and vegetables like Daniel ate in, in the Bible when he got to be healthier than any of the other young men and stronger. And it actually worked for this group of experimental subjects as well as it had worked for Daniel. <laughs> so <laughs> lentils are cool. So in your work with, with clients, Ryan, what are they troubled by? What are people asking you about these days? You know, it's kind of a distribution, probably half and half. Half, of, half clients will say they get really detailed and ask a lot of questions, kind of what we were just talking about, whether it's paleo eating or gluten or sugar, um, meat, stuff like that. And then the other half of the questions are more of the psychological side behind eating. And they want to know why they um, will get into the all or none mindset with eating. And that's a big one. I, I work with a lot of men, especially. And one of the biggest things I see and they bring up is if they have one day of eating that's not so great, they say uh, to heck with it. And it cascades and just builds into this like three months, um, terrible eating situation. So instead of just saying, yeah, it was one bad day, no big deal. I'm just going to kind of get back on track tomorrow. It just builds up and it gets out of control. And the all or none mentality is, it's huge. And I see it all the time. And it, it's caused a lot of health problems and a lot of eating problems. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm always trying to look at ways to work with my clients on breaking that cycle. And what are some of the ways? Gosh, well, some of the ways, I mean, Getting, being aware of it, first off, um, a lot of people don't realize they even did it until a few months in. They say, gosh, you know, what happened? Why did my eating, why did my eating patterns go south over the past few months? But, uh, yeah, I think awareness is a big one. Um, and, yeah, I, I would say that's, that's probably the biggest thing is just the awareness, first off. And I wonder how much of it is the addictive nature of processed foods. You know, if somebody has been eating mostly a whole foods diet and then he thinks, oh, well, you know, just going to the wedding or going out for the evening or whatever is not going to hurt anything. But I think for some people, and tell me your opinion on this, when they get into the pastries and the cheeses and some of these foods, it's really like an alcoholic picking up the first drink. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Foods have addictive properties, and I think people are kidding themselves if they say, oh, no, food can't be addictive. Uh, it can definitely be addictive, and it can, it can be such a powerful, rewarding thing. So when somebody is kind of in a good groove with their eating, and like you said, they go back to eating some of those more addictive foods, it's really hard to turn that switch off again once you've reintroduced them. So it, it can build up and become that three-month you know, food bender of all these foods they're not used to eating. Yeah, it's really sad. I watched The Biggest Loser the other night while I was on the treadmill, the first time ever <laughs> in my life. Mm. And, oh, my gosh, it, in some ways I was just horrified. In other ways, I, I thought it was nice. The trainers were kind, I, I thought, to the people and, and, and careful about their self-esteem. But they had to do a, a challenge, which I thought was kind of silly. But anyway, and it had to do with, naming the the calories of several um, different meals. And as I looked at each one of these meals, whether they were the very high-calorie, unhealthy kind of food or whether they were lower-calorie foods that most people would say would be really good to eat, so we're talking anything from the bacon triple cheeseburger to the Greek yogurt with blueberries, every single dish was animal food. Now, I know that most people aren't vegan or vegetarian. I get that. But I think it was a surprise that 
is, are people still eating almost all animal food out there in the world? Um, I think there is a shift taking place. Um, but it, the typical American plate is heavy on animal foods and processed foods. It, it, almost every meal it has um, animal foods, definitely, whether it's cow's milk on cereal in the morning or meat on a sandwich at lunch or a, a big steak or hamburger for dinner. And I, I get kind of caught up in my own little world of plant-based eaters. Maybe you do too sometimes, and you think there's a radical shift taking place, but no, not, not a radical shift yet. I think people are becoming aware that eating a more plant-based diet is a good idea. So some people are shifting, whether it's one meal a day, a few meals a week, or one full day a week, or something like that. But uh, I think there's a small shift taking place. But it is kind of scary how many meals revolve around animal foods. Yeah. Well, let's shift ourselves a little bit, Ryan, and go into your other area of expertise. You have many. So let's talk about fitness. Just pluck the typical American off the street. Let's just say this is, uh, well, we'll make it a man since you work with a lot of men. He's a man. He's 45. He played football in high school and hasn't really done anything since. He's maybe not overweight exactly, but he's got the gut coming on. What do you do with him? So my first goal for him is to get him moving in some way and get him moving well because a lot of times what can happen is and you you see this on the biggest loser is somebody just starts to do a bunch of exercise they'll lift weights they'll do yoga they'll start running they'll start running stairs jump roping but since they don't have a lot of experience and practice in moving their bodies they move in ways that cause that end up causing more problems so their movement patterns are kind of flawed and their joints tend to suffer. They're carrying extra weight, so that's hard on their joints. And a lot of their technique is off, and so they start to get this soreness and these aches and pains, and they feel worse after exercising than before they went to go exercise. So my main goal for anybody uh, is get them moving well. So starting off with really simple movement patterns, getting people to learn how to do a squat properly. You know, if you can do a squat properly, you're going to do better in all areas of life, in my opinion, and doing like lunging properly and hinging movements at the hips and pushing movements, whether it's like a push-up or a dumbbell press and pulling movements, um, bracing your core so everything's not just coming from all your extremities, but it kind of starts off with your torso muscles. Because when you can start to start to build in quality movements, you won't suffer all those injuries that cause problems and end up leading to no exercise for a lot of guys. So it sounds like you're thinking that even somebody who is not some rich celebrity ought to figure out how to save a little money and get a trainer, at least in the beginning. I think working with a trainer can be useful if that is outrageous to somebody and they would never imagine that. Just educating yourself. I mean, you can go on YouTube and look at squatting technique and deadlifting technique and push-up technique and start to get familiar on with how the body is supposed to look, what muscles are supposed to be working, where your limbs are supposed to be, um, body positioning, breathing, all that type of stuff. Because we just, we expect that we can just go to a gym or go to a park and start moving our bodies and it's going to work well, but it might not. I mean, a lot of people have years and years of incorrect movement patterns, muscles that are underutilized and not recruited enough. So yeah, I think get familiar, get a book, go look on the internet, get a trainer and, and get help on how to move correctly. Okay. Now, you are also a yoga teacher, and sometimes never the twain shall meet. People either like Eastern exercise or Western exercise. How do you combine the two? I think there's a lot of overlap between the two. I think uh, you can use yoga and build flexibility, build strength, but also take that time to focus on your breathing and think and contemplate and listen to the music or listen to the instructor and just kind of get um, in tune with your body. Because so many times when we are thinking of typical exercise, it's, you know, we have a he headset on with loud music and we're lifting weights and we're, we're running and it's fast and it's intense. Um, but we can also balance that out with kind of the low-key exercise like yoga and, and simple movements and stretching and breathing. And I think both are really important. And um, I definitely see overlap between the two sides. 
And yoga, of course, goes beyond the physical to get into meditation, visualization. And I happen to know for a fact that you are one of the best visualizers I have ever known. You took a teleclass that I taught one January, and you decided goals for yourself for the year. And round about November... I got an email from you where you said, I have reached all my goals except going to Africa to do volunteer work, so I'm doing that in two weeks. <laughs> so <laughs> tell me the process and also a little about that experience. Gosh, yeah, I'm really, I'm really glad I had that experience. Uh, it started, my, my best friend from junior high is uh, the executive director of a nonprofit called Light Gives Heat, and they do work with women in Uganda, and he's really passionate about his organization, and whenever we're spending time together, he kind of brings me up to speed on what he's doing and what he's passionate about, and so he kind of planted that seed for me many, many years ago of... Ryan, gosh, you know, I'm I, so I, sorry. I, Forgive me. My my little timing thing was not right on the screen, so I'm okay. missing. We're going to have to stop. But if uh, we can talk about this or you could email it to me, I'll put it on the MainStreetVegan.net blog. So apologies to you. Apologies to everybody else that we have to just stop so abruptly. You can find Ryan Andrews at PrecisionNutrition.com. The book, the fabulous book, is Drop the Fat Act and Live Lean. We'll see you in a week. God bless. Eat your veggies. Thank you for listening to Main Street Vegan. Join us every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central Time as Victoria Moran entertains, educates, and inspires you on your vegan journey. This program is sponsored by Main Street Vegan. To learn more about Victoria or to explore training with Main Street Vegan Academy as a vegan lifestyle coach, go to www.mainstreetvegan.net. That's www.mainstreetvegan.net. God is formless, yet takes many forms. What goes around comes around. Chant the name of the Lord and be free. No one comes to the Father except through me. Ever been confused by the variety and apparent contradiction within world religions? Join Reverend Paul John Roach every Tuesday for insight into those principles held in common by all the great religious traditions in world spirituality, exploring the unity within all cultures and faith traditions. Using discussions, interviews, humor, insight, and practical advice, we will clarify the confusion and reveal simple yet profound truths. Call in with your questions and ideas and help break down the barriers that separate us from one another. That's World Spirituality with Paul John Roach, Tuesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern, here on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. Inspiration only takes a moment. Reverend Dr. Thomas Shepard shares this from his book, Good Questions. We are here to learn, grow, experience, savor, exalt, cherish, create, and to use our connection with that mind to make safe decisions. We are here to share to be fruitful and to multiply the good over and over again. Centering on the divine within, we become still and realize that whatever happens, we are still one with God. This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity. Is there a difference between the spiritual teachings you know and how you live your life? Does your day-to-day experience reflect what you truly value? Are you ready to receive your life and live the gift that you are? Join Janice Campbell, licensed Unity teacher, author, and coach each week as she shares inspiration and tools to help you identify and dissolve the limiting beliefs that prevent you from living the fullest expression of what you are. Talk with Janice live every Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Central on Receive Your Life 
only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Are you ready to take a quantum leap into greater self-acceptance and love and freedom from suffering by connecting all your parts, especially those you deem broken? If so, join Mark Anthony Lord, founder and spiritual director of the Bodhi Spiritual Center in Chicago, every Monday at 1 p.m. Central, as he helps you understand there is nothing wrong with you. You are perfect just the way you are. This show is for you so you can know you're not alone and that you really matter and that miracles are right here within you and all around you. From this knowing, anything and everything becomes possible. Each week, Mark will be joined by amazing guests who share their journeys of awakening. Listen live on Mondays at 1 p.m. Central or download the podcast at your convenience or subscribe via iTunes to Nothing Broken Here with Mark Anthony Lord. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Since 1977, Omega Institute in New York's beautiful Hudson Valley has hosted some of the best spiritual teachers and social visionaries, sharing their messages of hope, healing, and transformation. On the Dropping In podcast, hosted by Emmy Award-winning producer Callie Alpert, you will enjoy in-depth interviews and conversations with people like Pema Chodron, Jack Kornfield, John Kabat-Zinn, and many others on the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Also, check out the video series on Spotify. Spotify. 